Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I simply cannot believe what I'm about to say. The last show of the year. The last show of the year, Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky on a Friday. Got Lance Tolbert in the studio with me. So, no, I know some of you were worried yesterday that I was going to be completely by myself. We have been saved. The show is going to be so much better. If you are a fan of politics, you listen to the Gallo Show in the morning, I assume, and you hear Lance every day. And he's, uh, is this, this isn't your first time on this show, correct? No, I've sat in a couple of times, but, you know, I just blend in with the wallpaper, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't want to pop the rivets out of the ship. Just uh, you know, enjoy my time here, and and it is a great honor, honestly, to sit here on the last show of the year with you. Thank you, appreciate it. Ah, glad to be here. It's uh, you know, everybody says time flies, and it does. But man, I I cannot believe that we are sitting here today on the last show of the year, the last Friday of the year. Ole Miss plays in the Peach Bowl tomorrow, but I mean, it really, truly does feel like yesterday. When we were talking about the underwhelming season openers with uh, southeastern Louisiana and Mercer uh, coming to town, and now here we sit. I mean, I've got Memphis and Iowa State on the TV up in front of me right now. Uh, We had an unbelievably electric Gator Bowl, the Tax Slayer Bowl, and no, as far as I know, there was uh, nobody eating uh, W-2 forms on the field after the game like there was in the Pop-Tart Bowl, but uh, I mean, here we are, and I'm glad that you guys are with us, of course, and you want to be a part of the show, we'd love to have you, 601-879-4395 is the text line, be a part of the conversation, we'd love to have you, we've got a full show, so Michael Katz is going to join us from Atlanta, he's with the Daily Journal, he'll join us here in about 30 minutes from right now. We'll hear from Dante Moncrief, the former Ole Miss wide receiver, had a a long career in the NFL. He's decided to hang it up, and he's going to join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll get picks with Bruce. we got to do a food Friday at 520. And our last two questions of the year, as well, will be at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. So let's start just kind of diving into the the bowl games that have happened. Again, we'll get to Ole Miss-Penn State. There's a lot to discuss today. But you guys just need to hear the fourth quarter of the Gator Bowl today. Clemson beat Kentucky. Kentucky kind of choked, if we're being completely and totally honest with you. But here is how the fourth quarter went in this game. 
So you had second half, forgive me. So Kentucky started the second half with a kickoff return for a touchdown to take a 14-10 to lead. Couple of punts, Clemson touchdown to, to make it 21-16. to And then here's when the fourth quarter began. Kentucky fumble, Clemson interception, Kentucky interception, Clemson field goal, Kentucky fumble, Clemson touchdown, Kentucky touchdown, Clemson field goal, Kentucky touchdown, Clemson touchdown, Kentucky interception, end of game. Seven and six is the final record for Kentucky and Mark Stoops. And I said this after the season ended, and I got a little bit of pushback from the other two on this show, but I still to this day... Uh, I'm not quite sure we should be as impressed with what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky as the general consensus is in the college football world. Everybody talks about what, I mean, he's just done such a remarkable job at such a difficult place to win, and Kentucky's just such a hard job, and they're so good. They average a 7-5 and record after year one. I'm removing year one. From Mark Stoops, they average a seven and five record every year after a two and ten year one. Finished seven and six again. Haven't finished better than fourth in the East in years. Why should I be super impressed with the job that he's done there? I, I, I don't quite understand what everybody else sees. They're they're okay. They're certainly not bad in, in any stretch, but. Over the last four years, the only way you can describe Kentucky is woefully mediocre. And I don't know if that's worthy of the unbelievable praise that we are getting and that we still get and we continue to get even after seasons like this with Mark Stoops and Kentucky. I kind of see now why Texas A&M fans, another Memphis touchdown, by the way, they're going to go up three touchdowns in the first quarter there in the Liberty Bowl. But I kind of see why Texas A&M fans were so bent out of shape when they learned that uh, Mark Stoops was going to be the guy until fan revolt <laughs> stopped that from happening. So that's going on today. That happened today. Big thing in college football yesterday, I think, was Oklahoma. So now that the year is ending, we can kind of reflect on this a little bit. Everything's changing after this year. I was on with Gerard earlier, and it just kind of hits you, right, that this is the last time we're going to see college football structured this way. College football playoff is only eight years old. Uh, excuse me, nine years old. But still, we've, we're used to it. That era's ending, expanding to 12. Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. The Pac-12 is done because the Arizonas and Colorado and Utah are joining the Big 12. So the Pac-12 is done. Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC. And so we got our final look at Oklahoma before they joined the SEC last night. And more specifically, our first look at Jackson Arnold. He's a guy that Oklahoma, they didn't force Dylan Gabriel out. Didn't force him out. But they were okay with him leaving, if you can read between the lines. They're very similar to what's going on at Ohio State with uh, with their quarterback transferring out as well. He was kind of encouraged to, to go somewhere else. Dylan Gabriel in the same boat. And Jackson Arnold is this former five-star heir apparent. There were some Mississippi State fans talking about the possibility of him coming along with Jeff Levy to Mississippi State, and that was never going to happen because of this. He was the heir apparent 
uh, to Dylan Gabriel and going to be the next guy. He got game action last night in their loss to Arizona, and it was kind of a mixed bag. It was good. He showed you the five-star ability. There was one deep ball in particular that he threw that was absolutely special. But also, you saw a young quarterback with little to no experience look like a young quarterback with little to no experience. And it's it's an interesting dynamic that Oklahoma is creating for themselves. Now he's going to have a whole offseason to prepare as the starter and all that. But he had three interceptions last night, and those three interceptions cost... Oklahoma the game. I mean, he's he played well. He threw for, what was it, 360 yards, I believe. Yeah, 361. 361, yeah. But that's an... If you're an Oklahoma fan, should you be excited with the positive or worried about him not being ready yet going into your first year in the SEC? I say defense, baby. I mean, I thought the kid threw the ball around pretty well. You had a fourth interception ruled a fumble. Yeah. And that was taken back. But, I mean, you throw 361. You hadn't played much. You get a couple touchdowns. You rush for 134. You'd think defense. You know, if you're coming into this league, what do you think? (laughs) Uh, Maybe defense plays a part into that a little bit. I don't know. And that's kind of been the thing with Oklahoma since Brent Venables took over. I mean, so he hires Jeff Lebby and the offense clicks right away. But in year one, they were atrocious on the other side of the ball, which was surprising to people. Not surprising that they were good offensively, but surprising that Brent Venables fielded a team that was so inept defensively. And then here they are again doing the same thing. And defense cost them at least one other game this season. I know people were... Uh, very upset with some play calling late in Bedlam, uh, the the final version of Bedlam, the the other game that Oklahoma lost. But I mean, you give up thirty eight points, and and now next season, and bowl games shouldn't be the the thing that you like hyper evaluate when it comes to a team with opt outs and things like that. There's a long gap between the last game and the bowl game. I understand that, but they've got Tennessee on the schedule. For good measure, they're playing Houston and Tulane in the non-conference. Obviously, they have to play Texas. They go to Ole Miss. They go to Missouri. They go to LSU. And Alabama's on the schedule before they have to go to LSU. I can't help but wonder if, even despite Arnold looking good at times with the turnover issues last night, that if I'm an Oklahoma fan, I, I can't help but wonder, are we ready for this? Are we prepared for what the SEC is going to send our way? I mean, they get a break schedule-wise. They get to play South Carolina at home. But, I mean, their fifth most difficult game is the buzzsaw that is Jordan-Hare. That is our fifth most difficult game next year. So we got the the first look at Arnold, all that. But, man, I uh, if I were an Oklahoma fan... I would be really concerned about what life is going to be like next year with uh, with the new conference. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Derek says, what about the Arizona defense? Tough. Jed Fish did a really good job with that team this year, and he's going to be measured. Mike Elko, I should say, is going to be measured against Jed Fish moving forward because that's somebody that most people think A&M could have hired. They chose not to. He's done a really nice job there at Arizona. Don't think he's going to be around there 
uh, much uh, much longer. We'll see. Text us, though, 601-879-4395. Dwayne says he loves you, Lance. Appreciate uh, you, Dwayne. We'll be right back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Lance Tolbert with you on a Friday Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad that you guys are with us. So that was today, last night. Kentucky blows a fourth quarter lead to Clemson. Dabo enters the offseason with a little bit of momentum. A year where they lost four games, though. Pivotal offseason for Dabo and Clemson. Uh, Oklahoma last night, their heir apparent. Looked the part for the most part, but... Uh, We will see how that continues. Tonight, we've got Ohio State-Missouri. That's the big one, Ohio State-Missouri tonight. Apparently, like the entire town of Columbia, Missouri, uh, has just migrated to that game. They have just picked Columbia up and moved it down uh, for that game. Should be a really cool environment tonight. But that line has moved a lot. It's been weird. You had Missouri as a favorite, and then Ohio State as a favorite. Then the line moved quickly to Missouri, and now it's back to uh, Ohio State doesn't quite make a uh, a whole lot of sense there. So you had Clemson, Kentucky, Oregon, Notre, uh, Oregon State, Notre Dame going on right now. Tomorrow, Ole Miss, Penn State, Penn State hanging on to a four and a half point line uh, for whatever that's worth to you. We'll get a pick from Bruce later on. Auburn, Maryland tomorrow. Uh, little Tua, Tua's little brother, opted out for the Terps, so you won't see him tomorrow. Uh, but Hugh Freeze trying to. Capture some off-season momentum with a bowl win in that one. And then the Georgia-Florida State game, which is now as Mike in Oxford, who I hope you're listening, Mike, even though you're out of town. I know you keep uh, keep up on the app when you're out of town. You're in Atlanta for the game. But Mike called it. He said, uh, I think on Monday of this, or what Monday, because that was Christmas, on Tuesday of this week, that that line was going to move another touchdown. And uh, he was right. 20 points in favor of Georgia in the Orange Bowl. We got this message on the text line, though. It's a good question. It says, gun to your head, does Ole Miss make the 12-team playoff next year? Uh, So my answer is yes, and here's why. Because of the wiggle room. The schedule sets up well. Obviously, they have coming back what they have coming back. And by the way, I know Richard and I talked about it yesterday. Some Jackson Dart's going to be the quarterback for Ole Miss next year. So we're just going to operate under that assumption. I talked to somebody with intimate knowledge of the goings-on. He's going to come back and be the quarterback at Ole Miss next year. If negotiations are happening, that's fine. But both sides want the same result, and that's for him to return. So Jackson Dart's going to be at Ole Miss next year. So you return quarterback, three-year starter. Presumably you return running back. You get those two receivers returning, paired with the addition of Juice Wells and tight end as well. Uh, they've already done some work on the offensive line. They're about to get an SEC commitment uh, via the portal here very soon as well. Certainly sounds like it. Uh, you guys know about the defensive players they have added via portal already. The number one and number two rush ends, the number one overall player on the defensive line, the number three linebacker, the number five defensive back, a safety from Indiana who had 85 tackles this year. I mean, they've really added uh, on defense as well. So you have what you have returning 
They've added in the portal, but the schedule sets up for, at a minimum, a 10-win season. And there has not been, to my knowledge, and I've looked this up, so I'm, I looked it up a while ago, and I just keep repeating this fact, so forgive me if it's inaccurate, but it was at the time. A 10-win Power 5 team has not been left out until this year because of Oklahoma, has not been left out of the final top 12. So it's an extremely rare thing to happen to begin with, and the schedule sets up well. I mean, their first difficult game of the season is going to be Kentucky at home, and that's in Week 5. I mean, they have to go to South Carolina, but what will the Gamecocks be by then? That's usually a difficult trip, but uh, that's a program reeling at the moment. You have to go to Baton Rouge. That's tough. But again, you've got wiggle room. That's not a must win. You you don't have to win every game on this schedule. They get an off week before Oklahoma at home. That's a nice break. Fayetteville is usually a difficult place to play, but that program's a disaster at the moment as well. And then Georgia on the schedule is tough, but you get them at home. Same thing applies with the Florida game. You, you have to go to the Swamp. That's usually a difficult place to play, but they're a disaster at the moment. And what will they be by late November uh, next year? And, and, of course, the Egg Bowl at home. So the, you've got chances to slip up if you need to. Your road games that are usually difficult, three of your four SEC road games are going to be against teams that are, uh, at the moment anyway, looking like their programs in free fall and coaches on the hot seat. So that helps for sure. You have to play Georgia, but that's at home. You have to play Oklahoma, and that's at home. Anything less than a 10-2 and season in a playoff appearance would frankly be disappointing. Uh, very disappointing, uh, considering the investment and, and just what they have returning. So yes, that, that will be the off-season conversation, which is a weird and good thing to say, which is why we spent years advocating for playoff expansion. Because now we will get to spend the next eight months talking about a team in our state with a realistic chance at making the playoff. Not pie in the sky, not, you know, if everything goes perfectly and, like, the aliens come down and remove Nick Saban from Tuscaloosa. No, this is a real conversation that we'll have for the next eight months. It's a realistic, attainable goal. And uh, that's uh, that's really, really exciting. When you see the, the, the coach, I mean, he feels it. You can tell in the demeanor. You can tell in the way that he addresses the the crowd it seems he's he's building this team he thinks can go take out Georgia yeah. he's not looking at the rest of that schedule going ah well we've got to pick this and this he's looking at Georgia and after that game Kiffin you know these guys are putting it together you got to say a lot about the the Walker Jones and the collective and ponying up yeah. because it's going to take the players if, if you watched the same game I did Ole Miss was yeah. outclassed against Bama and Georgia. And it seems to me that's what they're building to fix right there. And Kiffin talked about it. And to his credit, uh, I mean, he he talked about it after the game as well uh, in Athens. But again, uh, going into uh, the Peach Bowl and and these media opportunities, talked about how getting beat the way they did by Georgia woke them up a little bit. That, I mean, look, this Ole Miss team is good. If you win 10 games in the SEC, buddy, you're a good football team. There's no other way to spin it. You, you, Ole Miss was a really good team this year. They weren't great, though. Great was Athens. That that was a great team, and, and you saw the difference. And uh, to, to their credit, they didn't decide, well, let's just run it all back. Like, everything's fine. Let's just run it back the way it is. They decided, and the, the collective decided, and there's also uh, some, some people with some deep pockets that have decided uh, – 
We want to be that, essentially, is what they're saying. We want to be them. And how do you get there? You go get a uh, Walter Nolan. That, that's how you get there. You go get a princely Uman Mielin. That That's how you get there. That's the difference between Georgia and, and Ole Miss this year was they – Georgia has Walter Nolans and princely Uman Mielins and Ole Miss did not. And uh, they're going to have to add on the offensive line. That's a big question going into this offseason. We'll talk about the Peach Bowl a little bit uh, later on today. And that's a big question tomorrow is can Ole Miss's offensive line hold up against – one of the best defensive fronts they've seen this year. I mean, Penn State, without Chop Robinson, uh, still has NFL players all over the field on the defensive side of the ball. They're really good at linebacker. They're really good at getting after the quarterback. If I remember correctly, they have eight guys with more than three sacks this season, and one of those eight is not Chop. So the guy that opted out is not one of the, the big sack makers for their team this year because – He's, he's been injured, so uh, that'll be a big challenge and a big test for, for Ole Miss tomorrow is can they stack up with uh, with Penn State's defensive front. They've got to get much better there uh, this offseason through development and also through the portal. They've already added one in the portal. They're going to add more because they had issues there as well. Quinshawn Judkins had a really nice season for Ole Miss. But he led the country in yards after contact. So his physicality masked issues on Ole Miss's offensive line. Jackson Dart's really good in the pocket. His elusiveness in the pocket, his presence there, masked some issues on the offensive line and protection. And then, of course, you guys saw what happened uh, in Athens. So um, they, they are set up to get there. Absolutely they are. I think they will, but it's not a surefire thing, uh, for sure. Got to get better on the offensive line. Well, and you know, I mean, Franklin, 9-4, two seasons at Vandy. Yeah. Has anybody ever done that, Borchie? I mean, so the guy can coach. It's a miracle worker. Yeah, miracle worker. And uh, two interim coordinators for Penn State tomorrow. Uh, Elaine mentioned that you would think that that would be an advantage for Ole Miss, but it's not because you don't know what they're going to do. You can't really change schemes that much, but what if one of these guys that's getting the interim tag wants to, to prove himself and, and mix some things up? So uh, we will uh, we will have to see. On the text line, somebody says, you're sounding better today, Bork. You still think you hollered at the Christmas carolers? Love the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, man. I, I am... Uh, so the more I think about it, by the way, Lance, I, you probably missed this story, but the, the more I think about what happened, the more I don't believe their story, and I'm glad that I took their license plate down just in case uh, I need to send it over to the Madison Police Department to let them know that there were people in the neighborhood snooping around my back porch at 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't believe their story anymore, the more I think about it. So, Michael Katz of the Daily Journal will join us next. We'll do more Peach Bowl preview because that's tomorrow, guys, tomorrow morning. And so he will join us from Atlanta to talk about that game. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be back. Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Brandon Meridian says, how cool is that, that you have two teams playing in the Peach Bowl that are probably the best losses of the season, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State. You're not kidding. Two really good teams squaring off in Atlanta tomorrow morning, at least for us. But for this guy, he will be there in person. And, Michael, you get the benefit of the noon kickoff on the East Coast for the first time this year, I guess. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Michael Katz of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. He wrote a story earlier, if you want to read it, by the way, a really good one, uh, about Jared Ivey, who's returning to Ole Miss. The, uh, the lead here, at least the lead on uh, X, says Jared Ivey's a renaissance man. He's rereading Harry Potter. He loves Marvel. And, oh, yeah, he's good at football. Tragedy stuck his, struck his family when he was young and a community rallied around him. Community is everything to him. He has one in Oxford, too. So check that out at the at djournal.com if you want to read it. Michael, thank you for your time, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. So I, I hope you know that I picked that song for you, by the way, specifically for, for you. It means a lot. It means a lot, really. <laughs> so let, let's start with this, actually. So yesterday, you were in the press conference where uh, Quinn Sean and Jackson were noncommittal about their futures uh, with Ole Miss. From your perspective, should people read into that at all? I mean, it's, it's hard not to. Uh, I think that uh, in a perfect world, it's a simple uh, – it's a committal yes or no, uh, but – it's just the whole the game has changed, and there's 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 so many other factors that go into it right now. Uh, you know, NIL is the one that seems to be coming up a lot, and those are those are legitimate negotiations. And and part of me thinks that there's some of that going on. Uh, you know, there's the, the the transfer portal double transfer thing is uh, is is opening up some some interesting potential avenues. Uh, it's there's so much that. That could happen, and I think the longer no one commits one way or the other, I think it's easy for fans to to, to think the worst. I think when this is all said and done, I, I mean, I would be, be surprised if Jackson Dart's not the starting quarterback there next year. Uh, of course, all subject to change. Uh, Quinshawn's an interesting one, you know. Uh, the, the running back market, there's, you know, it's you you can't pay everybody. Uh, uh, they've, there's, there's, I know NILs has been really big with transfer portal, and there's a lot of players coming back that I'm sure um, are going to be making a good amount of money. I don't know if if you can if you can pay everybody, and, and you know there's there's if if we're looking at like the NFL uh, running backs are you know they're they're more of a, a quote unquote dime a dozen. Quinshawn's incredible; he's as good a running back as there is, but. I think if if it comes down to either one, you probably take a quarterback. I'm sure they'd hope they don't have to pick. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's it's really it was it was it was a little awkward uh, yesterday with, with neither one really uh, really saying much. You, you would think that they, someone would have said something by now. So last year, it looked like, and this is always a convenient excuse uh, that, that fans give when their team loses a bowl game, but. It didn't look like you had a very particularly motivated Ole Miss team in the Texas Bowl a year ago. Uh, certainly cannot be an excuse uh, tomorrow, right? I mean, the, it, it's just press conferences and players say things sometimes and coaches say things sometimes, but th- these guys appear to very much understand the task and uh, what's gained from a win, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the idea of being the first Ole Miss team to win 11 games. I think that is something that's really important, and it seems to be something that 
um, a, a lot of the players are, have have talked about, and that's a, a big a big rallying point. Um, I think the, whenever you can be the first to do anything, it's pretty hard not to get excited for a game. I think that. Uh, you know, the opponent's obviously exciting, the, the being a, a, a premier bowl game, all those sorts of things. And then, like you said last year, you know, you could feel, I don't think it was even just it being the Texas Bowl. I just think like that whole stretch of losing five out of six, you could just feel, I think everybody wanted the season to end. Uh, this seems like a team that, that really enjoys playing, uh, w- with one another and, uh, I think there's a lot of players here that, you know, when you, when you're, uh, uh Jeremiah Jean Baptiste was a guy, uh, I talked to the other day and, and he said, you know, this is, this is why you transfer from UCF or John Saunders, uh, Miami, Ohio, you know, he told me he was sitting in his locker the other day and they had to tell him to get changed because he was like taking too long and he was just soaking it in being, uh, in the Atlanta Falcons locker room. I think for a lot of these guys, um, this this really is something. Is it the ultimate goal? No, of course they would have liked to, you know, have, have won those games against Bama and Georgia and give themselves to the playoff. But uh, I, I think they understand how 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 big this is and and what this can do for the program. Uh, the Saints fan in me says, get those guys out of the Falcons locker room as <laughs> fast as possible. You don't want them soaking in anything in there. But uh, uh, anyway, so uh, you had one opt-out from Ole Miss, and, and you've had a chance to at least see a little bit of practice, right? On the offensive line, uh, is there anybody injury-wise missing? Because I know in the Egg Bowl, both tackles didn't play. Is at least one of them possibly coming back or both? Or what have you seen from practice? <laughs> Well, as as uh, as was to be expected, uh, the portion of practice we watched uh, was onside kick recovery. Oh, um, so, <laughs> so, I bet you learned so much. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I get it. I think that the bowl makes them show a, a live session of something, and that you know we walked in and we were like, okay, this is not to be <laughs> un- this is not unexpected. Um, but you know, I, I, it, it sounds like. Pettis's was was more long term. I, I you know I think in a perfect world Jaden Williams is good to go. We we just you know where they had a standing it was it was hard to tell who was who and who was out there uh, and since so, <laughs> we didn't get to really see any reps but um, you know I, I have to assume they're probably feeling pretty healthy right now but just kind of overall. Uh, from from having conversations with, with players and coaches and people around that game, obviously they're not going to tell you their game plan, but uh, it, it's clear that they really respect this Penn State defensive front, and they absolutely should. So how do you think Ole Miss is going to attack uh, this game offensively, knowing how good Penn State is up front? And so this is one of the things that uh, has been brought up a lot uh, this week uh, with you know Penn State with just the talent, and that's a, that's an SEC looking defense. That's, I mean, that's as good a group as there is uh, in college football, even with Chop Robinson not playing in the game. They're, I mean, they're, they are elite. They take away the run. Um, I mean, they're, they are good at everything. They sack the quarterback. Uh, the thing that's really come up is, is, is Ole Miss's tempo and how, how, does, how can that offset maybe when you're at a, a, a disadvantage in certain regards, particularly up front. I think it's, you know, again, that's one of the best front sevens in college football. Ole Miss's O-line has been a little bit up and down, especially if, if somebody's injured. Um, I think tempo in this game is really the great equalizer. Ole Miss really hasn't gone quite as fast as we've seen uh, in recent years. You know, the plays per game is, is down a little bit. 
um, it won't strike me if this is sort of one of the, the warp speed games, because I think if, if, if you can get the chunk plays on chunk plays and get up to the line and just keep doing it and doing it, your best chance is, is to score quickly and to tire out um, that really physically talented defense. So I think tempo is going to be something really interesting to watch. Michael Katz of the Daily Journal joining us right now, live from Atlanta at the Peach Bowl tomorrow, 11 o'clock our time, uh, final game of Ole Miss's season. So we got asked earlier, and I know it's weird to look ahead when there's still a game left, but uh, I mean, it, it's clear from listening to Lane and, and, of course, fans, but more specifically the people in the program, that 2024, uh, they understand how big that season should be. And it's this weird dynamic of adding players for next year's team while you're still practicing with this year's team and trying to win a game this year and prepare for next year. And they seem to be balancing it well, but expectations they are unbelievably high. And they're having to talk about it somewhat before they play their final game of 23. It is a pretty awkward uh, when, when you think of it that way, that you are so looking forward to this 12-team playoff and uh, potentially being a, a preseason top eight, top five, whatever it ends up being, uh, yeah, especially if, if Jackson and Quinshawn both uh, you know, are back. Uh, but, uh, again, it's, it, is, it is odd because you're thinking about all of these new pieces like Walter Nolan and, and Princely and, and, and Tyler Barron coming in and <laughs> not playing tomorrow. Um, but, you know, in, in talking with – I talk, talked with uh, Walker Jones of, of the Grove Collective, and, and he, 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 it was really interesting because he, he told me that when this whole NIL thing started, like the, this, was, this, this is all leading to 2024, and you had to get your ducks in a row over a couple-year span to be ready for it. And I think that they, they're, they're, they are absolutely ready for it. I think they have been preparing for this as, as a – and obviously you want to win every year, but uh, as a program, as, as an administration, as, as uh, the, the collective, all of those factors that go outside of just what happens on the field on Saturdays, they've, they've been, re- been ready for this and building towards this. And so – um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, listen, there's no gimmies in the SEC. The schedule is still not going to be easy. Um, but if, if Ole Miss is as good as we think they're going to be, it's going to be pretty manageable. Uh, if they manage this schedule in 2023, 2024 looks more manageable. And so, uh, I, there is, there's, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, when you bring in the sorts of players that they're bringing in, uh, you close the gap with the teams that you're not able to beat. They've been close. And uh, when you bring in, if talent was the thing you were missing or the thing you thought you've been missing, this is, you know, it's, it's, this, there's, there's no more excuses. You have everything you need. So, uh, I, I think, I think there is excitement, but like you said, it is, it's worse that none of these guys are going to be out there tomorrow. Michael, you're the best. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. I can't help it. I love this song. I love it. By the way, Michael joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Good guy, that Michael Katz. He uh, came to Mississippi by way of USC, not the Columbia one, the Los Angeles one. And uh, a California guy found his way here and, and covers Ole Miss. Really good guy and uh, 
Culture shock, I imagine, growing up in L.A. and then moving to Oxford, Mississippi. Man, I played with three or four guys from L.A. in, in college in baseball. They're the coolest dudes ever. We got to go out and play and get whooped. <laughs> out in a Southern Cal tournament. They were loaded back then, but uh, it was really cool getting to know guys from that part of the country. Very unique perspective. Very different, but yeah, there was a culture shock. Uh, one of the guys from Cerritos that took duck hunting, uh, and he just begged to go, and we took him. He wanted to go back after that, but it was a it was a learning experience, needless to say. Oh, I bet. 6018794395 is the text line. You want to be a part of the show? We'd love to have you, and that's how you do it. 6018794395. If you have a parting shot for the year, that's how you get it in. So we will not be live on uh, January 1st. Unless I can talk Haydad into uh, taking New Year's Day off, which I doubt I can. So I think uh, I think we're going to be off as a show on January 1st. We'll be back on the 2nd. We'll talk Peach Bowl. We will talk uh, college football playoff and whatever else happens. Basketball as well, although the uh, the opponents this weekend in basketball not exactly uh, inspiring much conversation. So that might uh, take a back seat. But conference play around the corner. By the way, in basketball, right next Saturday, I believe, is when SEC play will begin. So that uh, will be the forefront of our conversation. Just maybe not, maybe not uh, Tuesday. You can't. You, I mean, you really got to be kind of blown away at the way the Ole Miss Rebels have started. But I had a question for you before we go into this break, and it was something I was kind of pondering before uh, coming on with you. But if you took Lavar Arrington and Kerry Collins, I would say arguably the two iconic Penn State figures, great mm-hmm. great college players. It's kind of like the Bosworth of Oklahoma. And then you take Eli Manning and Patrick Willis. And you put those two. Who, who would you say wins the battle if, if you're making your bets on that? Kerry Collins, LeVar Arrington versus Eli Manning and Patrick Willis. My age probably leads to bias because I didn't. I don't really remember watching Kerry Collins play. My, he was a stud in college. Yeah, see, I, I don't. I I remember Eli though, yeah. uh, especially. So that that would probably lead to bias. See, I I went. I've been to a Penn State game, mm-hmm. and uh, the stadium itself is uh, it's ugly on the outside. It's an ugly football stadium. It looks like an erector set, uh, right from uh, Sandlot. I mean, that's what it looks like. They built the stadium out of. Inside of that stadium is insane, violent noise, and it's a. I mean, it's a huge stadium, hundred ten thousand people. And I've talked to a couple of buddies that are already over in Atlanta, and they say, like, the place is crawling with Penn State fans, and they were a little surprised by that. And and I'm not. It's a gigantic school and a, a massive, massive fan base and, and big brand power. I'm excited uh, to to watch the game tomorrow. But who would I pick in that? Who, I mean, I, I would probably go Manning Willis just because I got to see them play. I mean, so. you got Manning. He's got Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, I mean, Willis. I mean, how, you can't. I don't even know how to describe the guy. He, he was so amazing to watch him. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about college, but I mean, I think Eli and and Patrick were collectively pretty. Maybe I don't know at Ole Miss more accomplished than what you had at the time at Penn State that was a power. Mm-hmm. So I'd go with Ole Miss. But both both of those two on each side. I mean, Lavar Arrington in college was. I don't even know how to describe the guy. He was like the Bosworth. You know, he was the dude, and uh, didn't have a great pro career. But man, I mean. That guy, and he's done well in the in the broadcasting side too. He's a sharp guy. I mean, it was funny listening to him talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers and his Achilles. He's like, "Man, ain't no way!" And you know what? He's coming back because yeah. he had an Achilles tear. He's like, "He can talk all he wants, but he ain't coming back." But uh, Lavar was a dude. Yeah, 
I see uh, the the Penn State game that I went to. Paul Puzlesny had a, a huge game, and I just I remember that because I remember the name. But Penn State just synonymous with great defense over the years. They continue to just have more and more and more, and they will have that tomorrow as well. I know people are focused on. The, you know, the opt-out of, of Chop Robinson, a defensive back, also opted out. We learned that officially today. It was assumed and reported a couple of weeks ago. But James Franklin had been playing coy with opt-outs. Uh, wouldn't let anybody really, like Michael mentioned earlier with Ole Miss, Penn State's doing the same thing with practice, not letting people see who's practicing and who's not. Got that confirmed today, but... Man, they are athletic and physical and violent on the defensive line. They've got a stud middle linebacker as well that's going to uh, to, to wreak havoc. At least you think so. And Caden Prescorn is going to have to have a big game for Ole Miss, I think, uh, especially uh, in the blocking game, but as well as keeping the defense honest in the passing game. The backs are going to have to uh, be good in pass protection. And uh, we'll do the two questions thing later on in the show. For now... We're going to talk to Dante Moncrief, uh, the uh, former NFL wide receiver. And I've got a question for him. I want to end the debate once and for all. I'll tease it, actually, because we so often see people say that the worst team in the NFL would lose to the best college team. I'm going to ask a guy that played at the highest level in college and the highest level in the NFL, what would happen... If Michigan played the Carolina Panthers this year and more with him. Looking forward to that conversation when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Connected with Dante Moncrief. In the meantime, it's hour number two, Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky, Lance Tolbert with us as well. Bull season in full swing. The big ones get started tonight, Ohio State and Missouri. And we got a couple of your messages on the uh, the teaser. I'm, I hope that uh, we get connected with Dante because I really want to ask him about this. Because you guys, I know you guys see this because I see it all the time. That debate, well... Uh, Michigan or, or usually Alabama could beat the Jaguars or the Lions. And this year it's the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, have a Heisman Trophy winner playing quarterback for them. Hey, just, just throwing that out there. The Panthers have a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback right now. But people say that every single year. And I always mention, like what Jeff said, Panthers 77, Michigan 3. Another one. Panthers would be up 35 by halftime. I agree. I, I don't know how anybody can think that a group of college players, even the best ones, can beat 53 grown adult NFL players. Because that's the biggest difference, right? The, the physical change 
that these guys go through from 22 to 28 is staggering. It's remarkable. Demario Davis for the Saints, kind of on the tail end of his career, but I always bring up the Saints because it's my team. Demario Davis now is 500 times better than Demario Davis in college. I mean, it's not even close. And Anyway, so it's a terrible, stupid debate, and it happens all the time. They used to play those games back in the olden days, and and rarely did the college guys, once NFL or pro ball got organized, even have a chance. Right. I watched Air recently, and I was reminded that (laughs) NBA, the NBA Finals were on tape delay. The finals was on a tape delay. You couldn't even watch the championship of basketball live on TV. The Miracle on Ice was tape delayed. One of the greatest moments in American sports history. None of you watched it live unless you were in that small arena in Lake Placid. It's mind-blowing to me where we are today where I can pick up my phone right now and and just and it's not there's no buttons on this thing anymore. I just tap it a couple of times, and I've got a volleyball match in Spokane, Washington, just on my phone with ease. But anyway, now the one only NCAA teams could compete would be the University of Miami teams and possibly 2019 LSU, just due to the fact of all the players that went pro. But think about the adjustment that Burrow had to make in the NFL. It, it took Burrow a little bit. Uh, to start being great in the NFL. Not much, but it, it did take him a, a year or so uh, to really get going. But anyway, 601-879-4395. That's the text line. You want to be a part of the show. That's how you do it. There was also an NFL game last night. And I am in love with the Joe Flacco story. I love it. And there's a there's speaking of debates, there's a debate now about why he shouldn't win uh, comeback player of the year and DeMar Hamlin should. That's, that's kind of a, a debate today. But the the spirit of the award is coming back and playing at a high level. Hamlin's return is remarkable. Don't get me wrong. The fact that he's playing football after literally dying on the field is incredible. But he's not playing. Joe Flacco was called off the couch. He'll be 39 as the Browns are making their playoff run, which, call me crazy, I think they're a Super Bowl contender. I think they are. While they're making their playoff run, he'll turn 39 years old. He was on the couch. He said uh, yesterday after the game that he was throwing twice a week to his brother and his dad. He went to the gym and stuff. He stayed in shape, but he wasn't throwing because he was being a father of five, which is what he is. And they call him up because the Browns have injury after injury after injury. And here comes, uh, what what are they calling it in Cleveland? Psycho for Joe? Something yeah, like that. You have to be. I mean, the guy's thrown for 1,600 yards and 13 touchdowns in, what, three games? He's unbelievable. Yeah. Last night, uh, 309, three touchdowns, didn't have a pick. But, uh, I mean, he's just such an incredible story. And I, I think he should be comeback player of the year for one. But the fact that this it, – it, it's funny, Lance. I don't I don't mean to, to say it like this, but, you know, everybody's talking about how old he is. Look at Flacco. He's ancient. He's – He's 38. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 38, man, this guy's got some tread on them tires. Plus, he's a blue hen. So anybody, a Delaware blue hen, yeah. I mean, they've got life. You know, he's ready to go, man. Guy's smart, and he's huge. I'm, I'm one of the six foot six. 
you can play a little longer when you got that yeah. that height and ability, man. Big big quarterback uh, still has clearly still has an arm and uh, in just a couple of weeks has commanded the respect of of a Super Bowl contending team. And I, I don't know, I love watching him play. And it, it looked like the camera caught him dozing off last night. And people were making fun of the Jets. Like, Joe Flacco's so bored beating the Jets badly, he's falling asleep. And I saw some comments that were like, no, this is actually just a father of five getting 45 seconds to himself. That's what that looks like. <laughs> he's not bored of the Jets. He's just happy to have peace for a little while on a NFL sideline. But uh, I love the Flacco story. And, and I do think just... You know, he didn't have to be great with this Browns defense and, and the running game and the wide receivers, which, by the way, uh, we, we need to mention that uh, Elijah Moore, uh, a, a terrifying uh, situation last night, the former Ole Miss receiver who was having a big game. He had 61 yards and a touchdown against his former team that just kind of sent him off because they didn't think he was good enough and he was you know, dominating uh, them last night. Uh, took a sideline hit uh, to the head and uh, was on his back and involuntarily moving his arms. Uh, A terrifying uh, scene, and ended up uh, walking out of the, uh, off the field um, on his own. So there's been very few updates today on other than he has entered concussion protocol, which it's weird to say that concussion protocol is good news, but in this case, uh, frankly, it is because it looked a lot scarier. Uh, than that, and hearing that he was able to get up and, and walk last night, and he's cognizant and okay, is uh, is pretty remarkable. Considering, I mean, you, you can't blame the broadcast. They just they showed the player on the field, and, and again, his arms are involuntarily moving after that hit. It was uh, it was it was scary, but he seems to to be okay now. His availability for the playoffs. Uh, it certainly uh, don't expect him to play in in week eighteen, but um, he did get up and and he was able to move around and and he's awake and obviously alive. So that is uh, that that is very good. He did was... get out of the hospital today, so he has been released. That's all that I've been able to uncover as far as any uh, you know revealing information. But in concussion protocol, I believe that's where we are. Good. Yeah. Wacko for Flacco, not Psycho for Joe. Wacko for Flacco is what it is. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Although, yeah, Wacko for Flacco is better. Kind of like that better. Yeah. yeah. Wacko for Flacco. That's right. Somebody says there's not as wide of a gap in talent for the best NFL team as the – there's not as wide of a gap in talent. So he, you, you worded this backwards, but I know what you're, you're saying here. For the best college team and the worst NFL team, I just – I so – strongly disagree with you. Look at the Panthers' depth chart and look at what those guys were in college and add years, multiple years, to their development as as a man, frankly. And then mental. I mean, the mental side of the NFL, yeah. too. I mean, you, you're on a razor's edge every day. And everybody's the best player on their college team. And the it's, schemes are so much more so difficult. De- detailed, than, yeah. Yeah, you, you couldn't get you couldn't get college players to stop NFL schemes. You, you, there, there's no way. It's it's just so much smarter. That's why when you're doing the quarterback test, that, and like C.J. Stroud, for example, why why he's such an anomaly because he kind of got it right away, and that doesn't happen very often. There's such a large adjustment. I mean, there's the old video of uh, of Chris Sims trying to get a play call from John Gruden. 
And, uh, and he's got to run this play, by the way. He's got to run the play. He can't even recite the play call from Gruden to the huddle. He can't even get that right. And now Chris Sims, by the way, is doing what I do. So it tells you how smart you have to be to do what we do every day. But but Chris Sims could not relay the play call from coach to huddle when he was first in the NFL. That's how intricate this stuff is compared to, to what they're doing in college. There's no looking to the sidelines and getting a play call. It's three different things with reads, and it's it's a totally different game. That's why great college players don't work out in the NFL sometimes. It's just a it's totally different deal. Hopefully we'll get in touch with, uh, with Dante, and um, hopefully we'll do that next. 6018794395 is the text line. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Lance Tolbert with you on this Friday at Sports Talk Mississippi. So no, Dante is not ghosting us. He is uh, having to tend to a a sick child. So he will join us next week. Looking forward to talking to him then and uh, appreciate him uh, giving us the time. But it will not be today. It will be uh, next week. And, uh, of course, we're thinking about and hoping uh, his little one gets better very, very soon. So Michigan in the college football playoff. And as you guys know, and as we talked about a lot on here, the sign-stealing scandal really, really got to um, everybody in college football. You had to go back and look at if you were playing against opponents or possible future opponents of Michigan and look at, I mean, you had programs all over the country trying to figure out uh, if Connor Stallions or an associate went to their games too and you were tracking all that. So the sign-stealing scandal happened. Connor Stallions gets caught. Michigan gets punished. Harbaugh gets suspended. You guys know the drill by now. So Alabama this week in preparation for the game. Alabama has decided they don't trust Michigan. By the way, justifiably so, nor would I. And they did not let players watch film on their own devices, as they usually do, by the way. Alabama usually uploads film to players' iPads or whatever and lets them watch film on their own. Didn't do that leading up to this game because they thought better to be safe than sorry because the opponent is a notorious cheater. And they had an elaborate cheating scandal that was funded and like college football espionage. So Alabama decided, you know what? It's just better to protect ourselves here to make sure that they can't steal anything from us, understandably. So smart move for Alabama. Michigan, though, has apparently decided to do the same. Roman Wilson was asked about that. And here is a quote that he gave in response. 
because Michigan is doing the same thing. Quote, it's just a precaution thing. Coach Harbaugh turned our iPads off too. It's just a feeling. Coach is trying to protect our players and things like that. When you first see it, you kind of laugh a little bit. It's kind of outrageous that things like that are going on, but you can't really blame them with the things going on in college football these days, end quote. Yeah. That, 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 that's a, a Michigan player. That, that, that's a Michigan player. That's Jim Harbaugh. I, when I saw this, it, it affirms my love for them, though. Seriously, I love Michigan. You know why I love Michigan? Because I hate Michigan. They are cheaters. They got caught red-handed, and they're good. They're really good. What did they do after they got caught? They kept winning. You know Penn State knew to change everything, to protect against Michigan's cheating, and Michigan still lined up and ran the football right at them over and over and over and over and over again and beat them down in Happy Valley. Then they do it to Ohio State. And here they are in the playoff, shamelessly talking about these things going on in college football these days. You are the things going on. <laughs> you are the cheaters. It's not anybody else but you. There's nothing else going on but you cheating. And yet here they are so shamelessly talking about, well, actually, you know, you never know. So we got to shut down our iPads, too, because Alabama could be stealing stuff from us. You are the stealers and you are shameless in this. And it's so easy to hate. And because of that. It's so, I think, frankly, we're crossing into this is good for college football. Is that crazy? I think this is crossing into this is good because they are such a villain. I hate them so much. They are so shameless. They are so good. Is it the Tennessee baseball shame yes. type? Yes. And on top of that, you're seeing a pro level of cheating. This isn't just paying some players in brown paper bags or somebody sleeping on a couch or getting a rental car. I mean, this is sign stealing. You got a guy on the sidelines on the opposing team, you know, watching play, stealing it and relaying yeah. that information. I mean, that's NFL level cheating. So I'm like you, you're, you're upping the bar here. I mean, the everything's bigger now. And that's one of the things there. And, and, and they're the ones, Oh, hey, uh, we got to worry about this stuff now. I mean, that's hilarious, but it's real. And that's where we are. Yeah. We get this message. They all cheat. Bama, too. Get off your SEC bias. Uh, buddy, nobody, and I mean nobody, has done it like Michigan did it. Nobody. This is unprecedented. It, they are they are literally having to change the rules. Next year, you're going to have helmet communication. They're testing it in bowl games. Not going to happen in the Peach Bowl tomorrow, by the way, for whatever, for whatever it's worth. Uh, but other bowl games are... Uh, testing that, which I don't know what there is to test. It's the NFL does it. You know how it works. But anyway, they're testing it because this is unprecedented. Sending a network of spies to games to record sidelines of future opponents funded by a booster that was caught and having that person decipher signs, stand on the sidelines with a play sheet and relaying those signs to the coordinators is not something that they all do. Absolutely not. That is not something that they all do. Alabama kind of 
kind of did something like that when Tyler Siski was up in the up in the booth and I mean, you know, I, I haven't spoken to Tyler myself about it, but you saw what everybody saw. He had binoculars looking at the Ole Miss sideline, but he was operating on previous knowledge from working on the Ole Miss staff. And if Ole Miss didn't change things, if he was able to look at what they were doing and decipher those, then that's Ole Miss's fault. That's not Alabama's fault. That's not the same thing. It's just like the Astros cheating scandal. Everybody tries to steal signs in baseball. They watch the third base coach. They watch the catcher when they're on second base. Not everybody's got a closed-circuit camera feed in center field. Yeah, the dude had, like, Ray-Ban Meadows on or something over there. Video and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's pulling that but them. Nobody has that. But I love it. That that quote is mind-blowing. It's it's you that that is causing all of this. But anyway, another one. Mike says, "Hey, Florida State, you can cry about missing the playoffs when you're not a twenty point underdog to a non playoff team. Understandably so. Uh, but man, they can really uh, look. If they win tomorrow, I think they should do the UCF and claim a national championship. Just do it. Just claim it. Whatever. I mean, who? You won every game you played, and you beat Georgia. I, I know people would make fun of them, but I would do it just to kind of expose the farce that the four team playoff was." Another one, should Michigan have been banned from the postseason or will more trouble come out after the season is over? I think Michigan should have been banned from this postseason. I do. I truly believe that. Uh, I think that when you get caught cheating the actual game the way they did, that you should not be allowed to participate in the postseason of that season. The NCAA doesn't work like that. The Big Ten sure is not going to uh, ban Michigan from anything at all uh, because the money that they're making off of Michigan's appearance. But yes, I do think that if we lived in a just uh, world in college football, Michigan would not have been allowed to participate in the postseason. They would not have been allowed to win the Big Ten, and they would not have been allowed to play against Alabama uh, in the playoff upcoming. I truly actually believe that. When you cheat the game, you should not be allowed to participate in the postseason that year. But since the NCAA operates so slow, so slow, who knows when they're going to get punished for this, and it's probably going to be light because that's how they operate now. But yes, I, I think that when you have, and not only did they get caught, but they, they've got everything. They've got the paper trail, because they know who funded it now. They've got destruction or the attempted destruction of evidence. And you've got video footage at multiple different venues of this going on. It is a confirmed on multiple different levels. I, I'm not a lawyer, so maybe... A lawyer could chime in and tell me different, but I, I feel like that would be a pretty solid case, kind of a slam dunk home run case in a court of law. And the NCAA doesn't operate in in a court of law. They can kind of do well. They used to be able to do what uh, what they wanted. Tyler says so. Florida State should be mad at Michigan instead of Alabama. The cheaters took their spot in the playoff. You know, nobody's talked about that. Nobody has talked about. Michigan being in instead of Alabama. Man, and I said this earlier this week, but uh, but I believe this too. People are going to use Florida State getting dismantled in their bowl game by Georgia, at least the, the likely outcome is that, as evidence for why the way this went down is good and disagree completely. 
You can say that the committee got it right within the parameters that they were set. I hear that argument. But a team winning every single one of their games and being left out of the postseason is not in any way, shape, or form good. But glad that that's over. We'll get picks with Bruce when we come back. Who's going to win the Peach Bowl tomorrow? He will tell you, and we'll get playoff picks and more with Bruce Marshall when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Don't go anywhere. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. is the text line. You want to be a part of the show? That's how you do it. But we turn to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Our friend Bruce Marshall. Bruce, happy new year to you. Thank you so much for joining us for another college football season. Hate that it's coming to an end, but glad that you are with us today, my friend. Yeah, it's good. We got ending with a bang, and then we're going to have one more title game a week from Monday. Won't that be fun? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully more fun than uh, than last year's. And uh, I mean, I still go back to those TCU fans. So, so they go to what is supposed to be a—it's not a dome stadium, but a covered stadium in Los Angeles. Usually, beautiful weather, and TCU fans were watching their team get beaten by a billion points, sitting in the upper decks. And an unprecedented weather event in Los Angeles was blowing sideways, cold sideways rain into the stadium. Only hitting TCU fans during that game. So they were getting rained on in a dome stadium while their team was getting beaten down. It can't get worse than that. It can't. I know. That, that's, it's like a carport there, that, uh, that roof, because it's on the side. It's open and they, they can, can blow it. <laughs> that was a weird night. Just forgettable night for TCU. That really was an anti-climax for sure. Uh, so I, I will guarantee you we won't see a 65 to 7 a week from Monday in Houston. Yeah, I'm with you there. So the, a lot of people I listened to and looked around at some predictions for the Peach Bowl tomorrow, Ole Miss and Penn State. Penn State now up to a five point favorite in the game. Not many people giving Ole Miss a chance in this one. Do you? I do. Although I, I, I should know. I mean, the Big Ten is doing better than I thought it would in bowl games thus far. Now, the matchups have had something to do with that, but they have one uncovered uh, their first three here. Um, so that's um, Northwestern last week and Rutgers and uh, Minnesota. Uh, but, uh, you know, beating uh, Bowling Green in this year's version of Miami and a water down Utah doesn't mean all that much. But um, I still think this is an over. I think Ole Miss is going to win this uh, game. Now, the, I know the defense, Penn State, is good. They do have a couple of key opt-outs, though, and the feature matchup. Penn State defense, Ole Miss offense, Jackson Dart and the runners and Bedkins nods should be interesting there. I think it's more the, the determining on this game what happens with the other matchup, Ole Miss defense against Penn State's offense. And here is where I do not trust Drew Aller, the Penn State quarterback, to beat a decent team. Uh, he didn't step up uh, against uh, uh, Ohio State and Michigan. They outmanned the other bad teams on their schedule. They did beat West Virginia in the opener, but even that game was a little bit deceiving. But Drew Aller, the quarterback, it's one check down, check down, check down, check down after another. 
dump-off passes, screen passes. He just doesn't look downfield. And you can get away with that against these teams in the Big Ten that they played and some of the other non-conference foes where they didn't have to score all that much. He's just They just got to do something a bit more, I think, to outscore Lane here. Um, and I, I think Mississippi's going to get him. Uh, so uh, I'm going to call it 24-20 to 20 Rebels. I think they win this thing outright. So if you want to go uh, down there to Biloxi or somewhere and uh, make a bet on this, and you could do it on the money line, too, and just take a better price than Ole Miss to win outright. But to be safe, maybe just take those points because uh, I think that works uh, super well for Ole Miss in this one. So you like Ole Miss plus the points and the under in this one as well. I've been talking about that this week, Bruce, so I'm glad that you're confirming what I thought. It's always good when you th- when I think the same things you do. I- I've expected a low-scoring game in this one, and uh, I'm glad that-, that you feel the same. A game that's been kind of a joke, at least it is to me, the Orange Bowl, uh, also tomorrow afternoon, a 20-point line. Do you even play a game like this considering the the opt-out, the volume of opt-outs that we're getting in this one, up to 40 players combined possibly? Uh, I think you could maybe play it under. Um, I I wouldn't want to risk it on either side here, although if I did it, I might still do it with Georgia. I especially since Rotomaker went uh, bailed out this week. And so you're back to the third stringer who did next to nothing. Uh, bless his heart, he tried in the uh, Louisville game, but there's just not, they were so limited in what they tried to do. And, and Louisville's not nothing compared to Georgia. Uh, and they did win that game. But, I mean, any chance they had to stay competitive here with Rotomaker is out. And it's a shame because in early November, I mean, a lot of people thought this could have been a national title game, especially when, when Jordan Travis was still there with Florida State. But I haven't liked anything that's gone on at Florida State since the announcement. They've had so many guys go in the portal. They've had, uh, uh, you know, complaining about, you know, not even wanting to show up for this game, and now they're trying to get themselves out of the ACC. It's all sort of negative there at Florida State. So I certainly don't want them. Georgia will win this game by how much it could get that high because we rarely see point spreads this high in, in bowls. So I'm, uh, and especially this one-way action, it's just all going up, 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 and more since Rotomaker went out. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't think Florida State's going to score more than 10 points unless some weird things happen in this game. Uh, so I, I think you might be able to opt uh, for the uh, – for the under, that might uh, that might that's another option here, especially if and maybe an angle to pursue here if you if you don't think that uh, Florida State's going to score a lot of points. And as I check now, the last under I say is dipping down forty four and a half right now. I mean, I mean this looks like a thirty one three sort of game to me, so I could play it under and uh, not feel too bad about it. Bruce, tell me why I'm crazy for absolutely loving Iowa in the Cheese It Citrus Bowl. Uh, despite being six-point dogs to Tennessee? Well, because Joe Milton just opted out. Um, and you've seen Iowa. You probably saw the game last year against Kentucky up in Nashville at the Music City Bowl when Will Levis didn't play. So Iowa got a backup quarterback there, and they just completely strangled Kentucky out of the game. Um, you know, Iowa can do that to you. I, I, I like Tennessee a lot. And with Milton in there, because I think if you can, not that I love Milton all that much, but I think if you jump ahead of Tennessee, uh, jump ahead of Iowa, you force them to play from behind, and they really can't do that. But now, with Nico, the freshman in there, and they like him. I mean, he's 6'6", pocket passer, but he hasn't played much at all. And what a tough assignment, tough defense to go up against in your first start 
in your first real action as a college quarterback. I mean, and and a late move. I, I mean, this. I mean, Milton just announced the other day. So now Josh has got to get get Nico up to speed real quick. Uh, this, I mean, I can see, you might be right, Michael. I mean, I could see this thing like 3-3 at halftime and Tennessee really struggling and, and, and maybe, and maybe they don't get there. I, I'm more opting to the under right now because of the Milton development and because of what we saw with Iowa this year and all these games landing under that were had totals in the 20s by the end of the season. And now Tennessee with a green quarterback here. I just think this thing is slow, slow, slow and under. And you might be right with Iowa. I wouldn't argue with it. Bruce, Marshall Vegas insider joining us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Uh, the, the playoff games, Alabama-Michigan. Michigan a two-point favorite in the first one. Uh, Texas a four-point favorite in the second one. How do you see the national championship game buy- pairing up? I, Michael, I still don't uh, see Michigan being favorite here. And I think this is some... Some, some, for some reason, uh, Alabama's getting downgraded here because it's still for that Texas result. And that's what skewed the spread in the Georgia game, which should have been that high. And uh, Bama was good value there. I mean, look, Michigan, I mean, first of all, Jim Harbaugh's bowl record has been abysmal in recent years. Uh, 0-6, last six against the spread. Um, and that supposed great Michigan defense, well, you know, this reminds me of the argument last week, people talking about James Madison against Air Force. Um, you know, we got the great rush defense of James Madison, only 62 yards per game. Air Force ain't going to be able to run against him. That's all Air Force does. Well, no. I mean, the Sun Belt didn't have anybody who could run like Air Force. I mean, James Madison was playing from ahead almost the whole year, and they certainly hadn't seen an option like that. And what happened? Air Force, what, what 351 and just punished uh, James Madison all day on the ground. I bring that up because all these Michigan defensive stats this year have been compiled against lesser opposition. And that schedule unfurled like a red carpet right in front of uh, of Michigan, just like at uh, Academy Awards night in Hollywood there. And, and there was just nobody who could do anything. And until the end of the year, Penn State and Ohio State were not as lethal as they were last year. Maryland, a little bit. Maryland actually did some business against Michigan. So I think, and look what TCU last year and Georgia two years ago did to Michigan. Alabama's going to move and score. That's why I also think the total is way too low here at 44.5. This is going to blow past that 44.5. But Bama's going to win, uh, I think, because of a Milrow coming on like that. They won a lot of close games this year. I like the fact that they were able to pull that thing out of the fire against Auburn. I like the fact they beat Georgia. I don't think Michigan could beat Georgia. And, uh, by the way, all these distractions from Michigan, I mean, Harbaugh missed about half the season this year. But um, at some point it's going to catch up to them, and these rumors about Harbaugh even will not stop. And you got the NC2A now poking around. Um, it might catch up to Michigan here. Bama wins this thing. 31-23 goes over as well. 44.5, not nearly high enough in this one. And 30 seconds, uh, your pick on Texas and Washington. Uh, reluctantly, Texas, although I want Washington to win. Don't tell Trey Shop in Little Rock that I'm picking Texas because <laughs> uh, he'll never have me on up in Little Rock again. But uh, I think at the end of the year, they, they might have been the best team in the country. I know these teams played last year in the Alamo Bowl. Washington won. And I know uh, Sark used to coach at Washington. Uh, but uh, Washington's defense just bent a little bit too much for me. I like Penix, but I don't like that defense that much. Texas 38-31, probably an over here as well. We'll get a Texas-Bama rematch a week from Monday down in Houston. 
Bruce, you're the absolute best. Happy New Year, my friend. Thank you so much for your time this year. And, uh, of course, look forward to talking to you next year as well. Happy New Year, Michael. Thank you. Bruce, join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Vegas Insiders where you can get his picks. We'll be back with you right after this at Sports Talk Mississippi. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Lance Tolbert with you on this Friday. we got a question on the text line, just a quick rundown of the games that happened last night and today, so I'll give that to you. Appreciate you listening in the car. And uh, got a text from somebody that was somewhere in the middle of Alabama listening to us uh, on the way to Atlanta. So last night, uh, well, really yesterday afternoon got it started. Rutgers beat Miami 31-24. Some bad clock management from a coach that is notoriously bad at clock management is Mario Cristobal. And Rutgers uh, had their first winning season in quite some time. Uh, with uh, with Greg Schiano, Boston College beat the 24th-ranked SMU Mustangs, the soon-to-be uh, ACC member, SMU. Uh, Boston College returning a ton. Might be an interesting team in the uh, ACC next year. Kansas State beat NC State 28-19, and they got to eat a gigantic Pop-Tart after the game. And uh, it was a fun one last night for the most part. And then Arizona beat Oklahoma 38-24. A bunch of Oklahoma turnovers uh, opened the door for Arizona, and uh, and they won. So that was last night. Today you had a wild, wild game with Clemson and Kentucky. 41 fourth-quarter points scored in that game. Clemson beat Kentucky 38-35, scoring a touchdown with 17 seconds left in the game. Mark Stoops uh, elected to kick an extra point. Uh, after scoring a touchdown to to go up four late in the fourth quarter. So his team scores a touchdown, they go up four. He elects to kick an extra point to go up five instead of going for two to go up six. So at least you would force your opponent to kick an extra point. He chose not to do that. Not a math guy, apparently, is um, Mark Stoops. He counting that $9 million, though, I bet. No, oh, every penny of it. Uh, Notre Dame beat the absolute breaks off of Oregon State in the Sun Bowl, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. As far as I know, uh, a live tiger was not eaten by uh, Notre Dame after the game, but, I mean, we'll see if bull trends start going that way. Only kidding, of course. 40-8 to was the final score. And, and in Oregon State's defense, uh, they lost their coach, they lost coordinators and players and uh, Jonathan Smith just kind of took everybody with him on his way out the door. So that was a skeleton crew for Oregon State, and uh, Notre Dame took advantage. Memphis currently beating Iowa State 36-20 to in the Liberty Bowl, almost done with the third quarter there. And tonight's game, Ohio State a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Missouri in the Cotton Bowl there in Dallas. Appreciate you guys being here with us. 601-879-4395 is the text line. The Memphis helmets are... Very cool. This just, I saw this during the break. I'm just going to run this by you before we get back to college football and the college football fix and, and do the two questions for Ole Miss and Penn State, then get to a food Friday. Sean Payton and the Broncos might be in some trouble. So if you guys didn't see it, Russell Wilson having a better year, not a great year, but having a better year. 
And he has a injury guarantee on his contract worth, I believe, $37 million. And the Broncos decided to bench him to avoid him getting hurt so they don't have to pay that part of his contract because they're going to try to move on from him after this season. Certainly sounds like that is the case. Russell Wilson spoke with the media today and shed some more light on this. Now, there's a distinction between asking a player for a pay cut and this, which appears to be extortion, possibly. After their Week 7 win over the Chiefs, they had a bye week to Denver. Apparently, Denver Brass, including Sean Payton, told Russell, if you don't remove your injury guarantee, so if you don't sacrifice $37 million off your contract, we're going to bench you. This is after Week 7. So if you don't do this, you don't start for the team anymore. Russell called their bluff, actually, and said, no, you won't. And sure enough, they didn't. And they won four straight games after that. But this is going to open up, at least I think it will, a uh, significant league investigation, and the Players Association is going to have some uh, something to say about this as well. Uh, essentially, extorting one of your players is uh, not going to be looked too kindly upon from the PA that has a lot of power. And frankly, if I'm the league, I really, as the story was told by Russell, and as you know, there are three sides to every story, one side, another, and the truth. So maybe he wasn't telling us the truth. I'm curious to see how the Broncos respond to this. But if, in fact, that is true, if the Broncos went to Russell and said, you are going to be benched, you will not play if you don't remove this guarantee from your contract, Sean Payton and the Broncos are in trouble. They should be Uh, anyway. And I think that uh, they absolutely will be. What a weird story this is becoming. It took me to double take. I had to read that article like three times to get the gist of that. And then, like you said, the Russell Wilson comments coming out. Ooh, spooky. Not good. Not good. Two questions. You guys know the drill. Ole Miss absolutely must do what if they want to win the Peach Bowl tomorrow? And then the flip side, what can they absolutely not do if they want to win the Peach Bowl tomorrow? Get those ready. Send them in on the text line 6018794395. Appreciate all of you listening today. I know this is a day off for basically everybody. A lot of people are headed east to Atlanta. And just, hey, if the parking lots on the way in were any indicator, none of you guys are working today. So if you're listening, we appreciate you and uh, glad you're here. And if you're working, so are we. And so hopefully we take you home as we always do. Two questions when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. 
Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. I've got the pants on here. Let me show you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I do have the pants on right now, and I, they are so comfortable. I, I don't know if they'd appreciate me saying this or not, but it feels like I don't have any on. I mean, I, I forget that I've got long work pants on. They're that comfortable. Genteelapparel.com. Basketball season is heating up. Like we said earlier in the show, conference play begins in eight days, and so you're going to want to look good in the arena, right? Well, check out their collegiate collection. They've got the gear that you need. Good-looking polo shirts. You've got the... M over S logo, you've got the script state, you've got everything you need. Gentileapparel.com, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We got this message, and you know, if LSU loses, you're right. Is Mississippi State's win in football over Arizona going to be the best win of any team in the state of Mississippi? Uh, yeah, if you completely remove all context of what happened that night, then yes. Uh, yeah, if LSU loses the bowl game, Arizona will be ranked higher than LSU when the season is over. So yeah, that would be the best win in the state of Mississippi. Imagine that. I don't think we would have said that, uh, I mean, just a few weeks ago. That was a really good win uh, for Mississippi State over Arizona. Turnovers aside, Bit of a head-scratcher, and uh, Jaden Delora no longer the starter there at Arizona, uh, I guess for good reason. But it's time for two questions for the college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive one this weekend. If you're not watching football, I know Richard is driving an F-150 over to Atlanta, probably as we speak, and I am envious of uh, of his new F-150. It is a great truck. It's been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. So after you watch the Peach Bowl, or if you're a state fan and you don't want to watch the Peach Bowl, spend your day tomorrow test driving an F-150, the best-selling truck in America for longer than I've been alive. So, Ole Miss absolutely must get creative to alleviate pressure from Penn State offensively. Uh, and that's going to happen in multiple ways. I, I think that uh, the, the quick passing game is going to be very important for Ole Miss, getting the ball out of Dart's hands quickly, especially now after an opt-out. I think Ole Miss will have an advantage with their wide receivers in Penn State's secondary. Penn State hasn't seen a collection of weapons like this absent Ohio State, but remember, Ohio State had injuries in that game. You didn't see their entire cabinet of weapons the way that Ole Miss will present to Penn State. Penn State defensively hasn't seen an offense like this. Uh, not at full strength anyway. So the quick passing game, getting the ball out of Dart's hands quickly will benefit Ole Miss. Prescorn's going to be important, both keeping uh, the defense honest in the pass game, but also helping in pass protection. The backs in the backfield are going to have to be really good in pass protection as well. Ole Miss is going to have to get creative because even if uh, Jaden Williams plays for Ole Miss. Penn State really has a matchup advantage with their defensive front and Ole Miss's offensive line in this game. So they're going to have to scheme their way out of that. They've done it before. Uh, they've had a, a few weeks to get ready for this. Curious to see what kind of wrinkles or creativity you get out of Ole Miss because they have to be if they're going to win this game. Penn State will be able to generate pressure. How does Ole Miss alleviate that uh, is the key Absolutely must do that. Ole Miss absolutely cannot lose first down defensively. And here's what I mean by that. I expect Penn State to try to line up and run the football right at Ole Miss. They've got a pair of running backs that are pretty physical. Offensive line, despite an opt-out with left tackle, or at least you think it is, hasn't been formally announced. But his draft declaration announcement had a line 
in it where he said he's looking forward to spending time with his teammates in Atlanta, but didn't mention playing in the game. So is spending time with them, including four quarters tomorrow, or is spending time with them being on the sidelines like the opt-out players do and like doing the go-kart thing? What is he going to do? We'll see. But Penn State's going to try to line up and run the football right at Ole Miss. They're going to try to. And if they are successful, especially on first down, early downs, if Penn State can get five, six yards running the football on first down, Ole Miss is in trouble. But if they are able to keep Penn State's running game in check, I don't think Penn State has the quarterback or the weapons that can beat you. So obviously you never want to get run on. But I think that uh, there are teams that, that you face, like LSU, for example. If you stop the run, it doesn't matter. they got a great quarterback and great wide receivers can beat you anyway. Penn State does not have that. Aller is not that guy. If you pressure him, he really, really folds. They don't ask him to do a whole lot. He's under 200 yards per game passing. Uh, and that, that includes all the garbage games that they play as well as the, the Big Ten games. So they don't ask him to do a whole lot. Uh, in obvious passing downs when he's pressured, he's not particularly good. Doesn't turn the football over much, but that is where Penn State's going to beat Ole Miss if they do. It's having... High success on first down. If Ole Miss is good at stopping the run in early downs, then Penn State does not have the quarterback and weapons to beat you. So, those are my answers for two questions. Let's get to yours right now. Uh, Brian, you might be the only person in Oxford rooting for Penn State. He said, hashtag Nittany Lions. Uh, appreciate you listening, though, nonetheless. Shaq Bully says, Ole Miss absolutely must stop the run. So does Shane. Great minds think alike, guys. Uh Appreciate you uh, being here. But, yes, stop the run. Tim and Tupelo says, turnovers, turnovers, and turnovers. Don't have any for Ole Miss and win. Force them on Penn State to also win. There's another one. If we can make Penn State pass on third and long, we can win. Uh, Are you guys me? I mean, all these messages came in, like, as I was talking. And it's like we're we're right here on the same page. Like, you, I mean, maybe I'm just... uh, pretending like we're getting messages in here just to to make you guys think that people are listening. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, on the same page there. Ole Miss, one, needs to rattle the quarterback early and often, and two, utilize a short passing game with Harris, Wade, Priestcorn, etc. They don't do it much. I'm curious to see if they do some screen game as well with uh, with Judkins and Bentley, if if that's something that they will add this week, considering what I assume they expect to be. Uh, defense that's able to get pressure. That's uh, a very easy way uh, to help alleviate pressure is uh, a screen game, especially to your running backs. So, And yes, Aller is a guy that you can uh, rattle. If you can get to him, he's not comfortable. Ole Miss has got to keep Penn State below 24 points. Cannot give Penn State cheap points off of turnovers. Got this message. Had to work today. Healthcare never gets off, huh? But me and my mom and niece are headed to Atlanta listening through the app. Great show, Michael. Appreciate you, man. Be safe. Have fun. I, I know uh, at least a couple of my friends on their way talked about I-20. And then the, the Buckies apparently is just overflowing with Ole Miss fans. Because, I mean, if you're going to drive past the Buckies, you're really not going to stop. You're really not going to stop. But anyway. Dan also says, I don't know what you're talking about. Got a little over two hours to go before I can head to the house. Well, Dan, uh, I'm glad you, that uh, that you're with us, my friend, and uh, and appreciate you. 
Ole Miss absolutely must score more points than Penn State in order to win. Ole Miss absolutely must not let Penn State score more points if they want to win. I don't know why. I don't get paid for this, you say. And also you add a Happy New Year to the Super Talk family. Happy New Year to you as well. There's always the one when we do two questions. Always the one. Score more points or don't get more points scored on you. But uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Ole Miss's offensive line has to play very well. Yes, uh, the, yes, they absolutely do. And you know they're capable of doing it. Now, it doesn't sound like Micah Pettis is going to play in this game, but, I mean, with how Ole Miss handles injuries, th- there's been a lot of, I don't think that they're going to, or this guy's going to play, and then Saturday comes and this guy plays. So, uh, But you saw it with Texas A&M. They are certainly capable of creating running lanes and protecting against elite-level defensive fronts. Got to happen tomorrow. If, uh, if they're going to win. This message here, I think if they choose to opt out, they cannot sit on the sideline, let their butt stay at home. Here's why they don't do that, though. Because that player that's opting out for Penn State to tackle is going to be a first-round pick, possibly a top-ten pick. And you want to use a guy like that in recruiting. And you, you don't want to, for lack of a better phrase, forgive my language, you don't want to piss that guy off. And telling him, you're not welcome here goodbye is not the best use of the resources that he can provide for you later on. Maybe it shouldn't be that way. I mean, you guys have heard my stance on on opt-outs in in games before, but that's how it is. They they would never do that because they want to, in three years, when they're recruiting a tackle, to call up their guy that went to Penn State, who's a starting left tackle for the Denver Broncos, and have him say why you should go to Penn State. So that's why they'll never do that. Ole Miss has got to be better on third down. That's a good one. Ole Miss went up front in the trenches. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, yes, sir. Dwayne says, I want to be so confident Ole Miss must show up to win. All I got to do is show up, huh? I don't know if it's going to be that simple, but uh, yeah, going to be. It's Physical, tough football game expected tomorrow. It is Food Friday, by the way, and Debbie gets us started as she always does, and she sends us a picture of her powder blue plaster cast with a broken thumb, and it didn't stop her, though. We'll tell you what she's cooking and what we're cooking on Food Friday. Send them in, 601-879-4395, the C Spire text line. Let us know what you're cooking this weekend. We'll get to a Food Friday presented by Polk's when we come back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. football stories developing. I promise we'll get to Food Friday here in just a second, but Catapult is a data company, bear with me, that 
helps college football teams study film. They, uh, I guess, help distribute the film to players and their devices and have like a database where people can access that film from anywhere. This is a statement that they released. Tell me what you think about this. We are aware of the ongoing investigation of the alleged unauthorized access to NCAA football video footage. Uh Uh-oh. We have conducted an internal investigation and have not found any security breach in our systems. We have shared this with local authorities that are conducting an investigation. We will continue to support the ongoing investigation with the NCAA and local authorities. At Catapult, we hold ourselves to the highest of standards and safeguarding customer information and blah, 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 blah. So there is an allegation that involves not just the NCAA, but local authorities, meaning that, you know, hacking a system like this is criminal activity involving a college football team, hacking the database of the film provider and reportedly that team is not Michigan. Uh-oh. We'll, uh, we'll see where this goes. That is an interesting, <laughs> interesting statement coming from uh, something that I just learned was a thing today. And that is Catapult. But it is time for Food Friday every Friday at this time, just 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. We do our favorite segment of the week. And it's presented by Polks at polksmeat.com. By the way, a Mississippi company. When you're driving from Jackson to Hattiesburg on 49 and McGee, you see Polk's Meat right there off uh, Highway 49. It's a Mississippi company, great Mississippi people, and they have the best sausage products you can buy anywhere in this country. Picky people pick Polk's just like us, and we talk about our favorite ways to grill their Cajun, especially Cajun is my favorite, but they've got garlic and green onion. They've got the original. They've got all kinds of meat products. Again, polksmeat.com is the website. No buts about it. Folks, picky people pick Polk's Food Fridays where we talk about what we are cooking this weekend. And Debbie gets us started because she always does. She's the best chef in this state, at least the best chef in our listening audience. Anyway, she's always got something big coming. And here it is right now. Uh, They made a pot of chili and it looks amazing. Uh, she sent us kind of the whole process, the whole process here, and it just looks fantastic because that's what uh, Debbie does. And her husband JC, who JC, I'm coming for your woman. I've already told you this, but uh, I, I'm 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 going to make a run at her because she's the best cook ever. But uh, no kidding, of course, Debbie, you're the best. JC, you are the best, and appreciate both of you guys listening as you always do. Lance, though, you cooking anything special this weekend? Well, I, I uh, had a. It's not really cooking when the ham was already cooked. So I'm, you know, you take the Christmas ham and you got a bunch of it left over, and I basically throw it in the crock pot, yeah. put a bag of, uh, not a whole bag, but put your brown sugar in there, pour your honey in, put a little water, and then let the uh, the ham kind of caramelize a bit Ooh. and turn. Not you know, let it toughen up and not quite to pig ear quality, but you know, take that. It gets good and dark and. Put it on a little Hawaii roll and some mayo, and that's going to be the weekend there. Oh, man. That's it's so good. good. Though. It's like caramelized pig. Oh, my Can't gosh. beat it. So I'm, I'm going to do something uh, very stupid, considering that I'm on kind of a diet. So uh, I, I spent last week in South Carolina visiting my, my, 
my dad. And uh, there's a grocery store chain there. And I don't think that they have any here in Mississippi. It's a big one. It's called Publix is what it's called. And their deli section has subs better than any chain sub place you've ever had. We called them pub subs growing up, public subs. And the best one is the chicken tender sub where they, they make chicken tenders and you can toss them in buffalo sauce or whatever and they put it on a gigantic, like freshly baked, that they, they make all of this in-house. That's why it's so good. Uh, a freshly baked, big piece of French bread and... I get mine tossed in buffalo sauce with uh, blue cheese crumbles and lettuce, and that's it. And I had one, and I need another one. So I'm just going to make another one uh, tomorrow while I'm watching the uh, watching the football. So that's me. I'm just making a public sub with 6,000 calories or something like that on it uh, tomorrow. But to the text line, again, 601-879-4395, the C Spire text line. C Spire, by the way, encourages you to be a part of our show, but don't text and drive. Be safe out there. Use the voice text feature. If it comes in a little wonky, we're okay. We'll figure it out. Uh, Jim and Hernando sends us a picture of an uh, an immaculate brisket that he smoked uh, over Christmas. That looks outstanding. I had a weird barbecue experience, speaking of Christmas, by the way, in brisket. I know that you go to, like, the the real barbecue places, and if you order, like, as a couple, they'll just put everything on one tray for you. But there was four of us, my dad, his wife, me, and my son. And we all ordered different things. But, like, of course, like, we ordered different things. But my dad and I got pulled pork. His wife and I got brisket as well. And they just put all of the stuff we ordered, all of the meats we ordered, in, in one mound on one tray. And it was all, like all touching each other, too. So, like, it was just one mound of all the meat that we ordered, not individualized in any way, just on this mound on the tray that they gave us. And then all the sides came separately. We had to, like, you know, distribute those, which was fine. But I found that so bizarre. We had no idea because my dad and I ordered more than she did. And obviously, little guy had like next to nothing, but they just put it all in one, just one stack of meat that we had to like separate our, ourselves. And the brisket was chopped. It was finally chopped. So it was pushed together in one mound of meat. And I've never been to a place like that before. I found Even it bizarre. This was in SC, South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. I've never heard of that. And the, yeah. the place was popping. We had to yeah. wait in line forever. I mean, it was packed like crazy. And it, it was like this new hot spot. And they just gave us a mound of chopped and shredded meat that we had to, like, divide on our own. It was very odd. I, I don't know if that's normal or not, but didn't feel normal. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound right. I mean, I, I've, I've been to a lot of barbecue places and uh, smoked meats and such. I, I don't know if – I wouldn't have maybe said something. But, again, just to understand their methodology, maybe that's something new and, uh, you know, I just haven't heard it. I might not get out that much or something. Yeah, and, like – so uh, my my sister and her kids were around and a couple of them had coughs because she has young kids and they always have coughs. And it's like, you know, my dad's wife was starting to develop one a little bit and then I wasn't feeling right. And suddenly it's like, wait, we're eating off of we're, – we're doing this right here. And uh, Anyway, 
we get this message here. Food for the weekend, salads for lunch tomorrow, then party food and some grilled ribs on Sunday. Then all the green cabbage and red beans and rice I can handle. That's yeah. from Hot Sauce. Yes, sir. I, I forgot about that. i got to have your cabbage and or the black-eyed peas. Oh, no. I haven't gotten you either gotta one of those. you got to get that lined up. That's luck. And as Gerard and, and a, a lot of the, the guys say, you got to put a nickel in there. You know, for good luck. And you know, I don't know all of the nuances to those. What do you throw wait, in? Wait it? a minute. But you throw like a nickel in there. Gerard said put a nickel? And yeah. That, he, he said his dad did a certain thing, but every year, you know, you, it was like red beans and rice, French bread, and then they'd throw the nickel in. Whoever gets, you know, it's for good luck. But whoever also gets the nickel in some of these types of deals is the one who gets the luck. So, so like the king cake baby. Right. Similar to the king cake baby, yeah. To, but – and they'll, they'll, somebody will text in and go, no, you do this, and no, you, because it's, there's quite a few of these good luck deals. So, so when, uh, when my son was born, uh, the, the doctor told his mom and I, um, like, because we have, we have two dogs, and he's like, yeah, let the dogs lick on him. It's fine. No big deal. No big deal. He said, just no phones or coins, is what he well, said to Tim, us. Tim's saying silver dollar, not a nickel, but that, that was, uh, Gerard was saying a nickel, and Paul okay. was talking about a nickel, and some, so it's interesting. A lot of different. But, like, aren't coins, I mean. Yeah, coins. <laughs> they're, like, really nasty. Like, yeah. a doctor told us, let the dog lick on the baby all day long. That's fine. Just don't, just don't let him play with your phone, is what, it, which is crazy, by the way. He said, your phone is far worse than your dog. It, your baby touching the phone is far worse than your dog licking your baby's face. And I thought, I'm, I carry this around all the time. It's disgusting. But <laughs> but coins also is something that he mentioned, like, hey, you know, just aside from the choking hazard, mm-hmm. d- you, th- those are kind of dirty things that you want them to avoid. And now, now Gerard's told us to put it in our food. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that. I'll look that up just to read more about it. We got a bunch of your messages. I, I love this uh, this segment of the week as we wind into the new year. We'll get to uh, all of those when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi, and it's a Food Friday presented by Polk's. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's, especially right here in Mississippi. Uh, if, By the way, if you go to your meat section in your grocery store and they don't have it, ask for it. They will start getting it. I promise you. I've done it myself. You do the same. Uh, we'll be right back with more Food Friday. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Lance Tolbert with you at Sports Talk Mississippi on this final Friday of the year. We'll get back to some of your Food Friday submissions, then wrap it up with uh, some Peach Bowl conversation. If you got final thoughts, by the way, if you got food submissions, what you're cooking this weekend, let us know. But also, if you have any final thought on uh, the Peach Bowl and the, the end of the Ole Miss season, uh, let us uh, let us know. I had one for you. My mother wanted me to tell you uh, that the closest public supermarket is uh, like uh, around Foley, Navarre area. So if you're going to make a trip okay. to get to Sammy, you might have to log a little beach time. Yeah. A little closer than South Carolina, though, I think. A little bit. Yeah. But 
I mean, it's just a grocery store. I, I don't know what it is that makes their I, – I know exactly what it is. They make all of their stuff there. So they, they don't import bread or anything like that. No, they're making it. And uh, they're huge too. But it's just a grocery store. That's all it is. Everybody hypes up that thing from their hometown and then they bring somebody else to that thing and then it's underwhelming and you feel so stupid when you tell people about it. Like there's this uh, – there's a river – that runs through downtown Greenville, where I grew up. And there's a, a suspension bridge that goes over this, this big water. It's a pretty big waterfall right in the middle of downtown. And, and you know, I hype it up. Anybody that comes to, to see me or, or whatever, and we, we go to Falls Park downtown, and it's just a it's just a waterfall and a bridge. That's all it is. And I spend the entire drive over talking about how great it is, and then we get there, and it's it's just a, just a waterfall. Anyway. Danny in Columbus, T-Bone, homemade potatoes and grilled asparagus. That sounds fantastic. Congrats to uh, you. We got a picture, too. Fresh wild hog. Uh, Yeah, buddy. Send some my way if uh, if you get that processed right. Uh, Make some chicharron. I'm addicted to chicharron, I think. Uh, I had some a few weeks ago, and I don't want any other cut of barbecue moving forward, I don't think. It's amazing. So give that a shot if you feel like uh, trying out a new recipe if you haven't made that before with uh, with that hog. Kenny says, tomorrow for the game, we have smoked barbecue cocktail sausage, sausage dip, ham and cheese, Hawaiian rolls, tomorrow night steaks, deer sausage, your special baked beans. What makes them special? Uh, potatoes and a homemade mac and cheese. Uh, please invite me over uh, next time. Mike in Oxford. I knew you were listening, Mike. I appreciate you, man. Uh Send us a picture from. I know the I know the floor in that place. I'm not going to say it, but I ate there about four thousand times. It looks like so. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. Uh, okay, I see you, uh, Big Bob Gibson's Mike. Uh, that looks fantastic, my friend. Safe travels, Mike. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Dwayne says, going on the new Weber Grill. My lovely wife got me for Christmas a gigantic piece of salmon. Looks. Fantastic. Sydney and Oxford's are driving back uh, to Oxford from the coast. Got shrimp. Uh, going to make blackened shrimp while we watch the game tomorrow. You really, truly can absolutely tell the difference between shrimp that just got pulled out of the Gulf and stuff that you buy at the grocery store. I mean, 100%. Oh, there's no doubt. We used to go out there. I've been deep sea fishing many times, and you'd have good days and bad days out there. But there was always the trip back in. And then going over to see Miss Lee in the wind and getting on the boat and getting what you want. And it's, there's nothing better. Yeah. I mean, it's right out the water. Uh, you could eat them just raw. I mean, <laughs> that's how good they are. I, I don't debate that. But, hey, Tim, yeah, in Oxford, we know who is Ricky Schroeder in the house here. He said, you know, he's got a silver dollar, not a nickel goes in. Look at this guy. Big time. Big money. That, that's something Richard would have said on, on this show <laughs> probably as well. I've never heard that. I can't believe I've never heard that. We get another submission, Black Eyed Peas, Smoked Pork Chop, Stuffed Cabbage Rolls on Monday. So I, I'm, I'm kind of lazy with my cabbage, I guess. I'll uh, I'll cook bacon and then chop the bacon up, but I will I will take that head of cabbage and just really just dice it and then fry that up in the bacon grease with just salt and pepper, and I'll eat I've it that way. I've had fried cabbage a few times. It's delicious. It really is. I, I've never even heard of it until probably, what, about two years ago or so, and I went in someplace, and it was a barbecue place. They had fried cabbage. Mm-hmm. Like, what is fried cabbage? Are you kidding me? I mean, delicious. It's a totally different flavor, though. You add that, the pork fat to it, like you were saying. Oh, mm-hmm. man, that's some good stuff. I'll eat a whole tub of cabbage now. 
just steamed and a little black pepper. Oh, yeah. I love it. I think this is a uh, beef tenderloin that got sent to us. Uh, all we got was the picture and no knife needed, but it looks like you cooked it amazing, whatever it is. Derek and Greenwood, Ole Miss by six, getting off the food theme. That's okay. What did Bruce say? Had to go into the grocery store. Bruce liked Ole Miss. He... Uh, he said, "If you're feeling uh, if you're feeling frisky, take Ole Miss in the money line, but the points in the under is uh, is what he liked. He liked Ole Miss uh, in that uh, in that game. Also liked Texas and liked Alabama. Really doesn't like Michigan. Let's put it that way. He he hates Michigan more than he likes Alabama in terms of not cheating or anything like me, but in terms of the uh, chances for them to win for uh, for what it's worth." Another one going classic tailgate burger dogs, wings, and nachos for the playoffs might throw some steaks on too. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of that. Burger dogs? I've missed something. What is a burger dog? Like a No, oh, just burgers, comma dogs, comma. Oh, I got you. I was like a burger dog, man. I <laughs> thought I've had everything. No. I mean, I guess, you know, you could just roll up the the ground beef into a hot dog, you know, and what make a, it that an way. idea. There, that, that's worth it. Drop it in the fryer. Come That's on, you got to fry it, actually. Wrap it with a, like some cheese, and then just drop it in and fry. It. Okay, that sounds better than a hot dog, though. Yeah, yeah. Just I live in Mexico, baby. They know how to take it up a notch. Did you really? Yeah, I did a long time ago. But man, they can take anything and make it anything American and make it a little better. A hamburger, hamburguesa. You know, the hot dog. Yeah, just you know. Were it, you playing ball down there? Is nah, that it was right after uh, college, in between uh, getting done and mo- moving up to DC, and I had to finish up some schooling. And uh, I was just moved down there for a few months and knocked out all the Spanish wow. and had a blast. Yeah, it was great. Oh, that's so cool. With the food. I mean, people say they won't eat anything off the street. Man, everything I ate was off the street cars <laughs> down there. You didn't know any better. It was like, yeah, give me one of those. Yeah, I had no idea what it was, but it was delicious. <laughs> that just doesn't matter at that point, does it? No, no. And I mean, when you're right out of college, you're on a pretty strict budget. Right. You're in a foreign country, third world country. I mean, going to the ATM, you know, that I, I lived, my lunch was basically, uh, you know, jalapenos, guacamole, and, and tortillas. And you wrap it up and have a little, you know, tortilla, jalapeno, guac. But the beer, it was just, just so you could have something to go with the beer. Because the beer was like 20 cents. Oh, that, yeah, it was just amazing. Man, I need to go to Mexico. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, within 10 years, there will be an NFL team in Mexico. Watch. Mexico City. Watch. It's going to happen. Uh, Zach in Oxford says, All I know is everybody was talking about which bowl we, I assume we being Ole Miss, would get. I still think the most important part is winning the game. Have to win this game to be in excellent position for next year. Never in my lifetime have we been ranked this high at the end of the year could possibly be number 5 preseason depending on how things play out. Yeah, that is that is the thing right here in this game tomorrow. I mean, we we've talked about the historical component Lane Kiffin has mentioned it many 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 times. Uh first 11-win season in program history. Now, that stat is a little bit skewed because the schedules uh didn't have as many games on it in the past when Ole Miss was competing at an extremely high level, but that was a very very long time ago. Uh history is on the line, but Losing tomorrow won't derail momentum. Uh, it won't prevent them from being ranked really high in the preseason and stuff like that. But uh, I think you're on to something when you say that if Ole Miss wins this game, it, it will be cranked up another level. Oh, that they will be a preseason top five team. Oh, yeah. And, and he, you know, Zach and I worked together forever. Shared the same birthday, too. He's oh, one of my besties. Awesome. Right? Zach's awesome. But the, the amount of time we invested in the Grove in those seasons where – they weren't that great. 
and then the crowds were still there. I can only imagine what it's going to look like next year. <laughs> if you bring home the bacon here, yeah. you know, for lack of a better term, you win this game. What you've built coming into the offseason and the excitement that's going to surround this program, the pomp and circumstance, I, I don't. I, I can't imagine what the Grove's going to look like next year. For opening game. Yeah, I mean, for, for Furman. For Furman, yeah. It's, it's outrageous. And Zach will be there. He'll be there. He ain't going to miss him. <laughs> and he may, I need to get him to, uh, he's got a buddy that's got a little bank. I need to get him like rent the Bugatti. Yeah. Yeah, bring it in. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's go to the game. So you heard that, Zach. See what you can work yeah. out, man. Uh, Reese, uh, forgive me. Well, Lance needs to forgive me. Uh, the, the, the co-person today is how he asked it is, uh, Lance Tolbert. You hear him on, uh, the Gallo show in the mornings. If you're into politics, you hear him, uh, hear him there. So, uh, uh, Perez uh, hung it up, although he does come around every so often, and uh, Lance fit into that role uh, beautifully. And so they're off and running in the mornings here. Oh yeah, and, and Paul's a trip. You know, you get to learn. I mean, Paul is a, is amazing, great mentor, and and Perez is. It, if those who are always you know asking Perez is doing great, doesn't have to get up at four in the morning anymore. Uh, he's getting a little time, playing a little more tennis, getting a little sleep, but he's doing well and uh, having a. Hopefully, we'll have a great new year as well. I saw him in here earlier cutting some music yesterday, so yeah, uh, he's doing great, guys. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We have a few more of your food, and we'll uh, get to those, of course, and then uh, we'll carry you. Into the weekend and into the new year when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Appreciate you guys being with us on this uh, this chilly Friday evening at this point. We'll be back. One more segment, though. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. One more segment with you, a short one, uh, this year. One more segment with you this year. And so I, I will start this one with a sappy, insincere thank you to all of you. Uh, I started here at Super Talk nine years ago. Uh, been on this show for seven. And this year, Ole Miss had a really good year. Mississippi State, not so much. And uh, that happens from time to time. And despite the differences, sometimes Ole Miss has had bad years and State has had good ones regardless. Uh, You guys are here, always. And it's a lot of the same of you. Of course, we welcome in new listeners. And uh, the, the numbers that I have access to, anyway, tell me that we have a plethora of those as well, increasing all the time. But um you guys, despite what is going on with your team or with the the world, I mean, it wasn't long ago when we were doing sports shows when no sports were going on, and yet you guys were here. And so as we wrap up another year, 
uh, I want to tell you how uh, how indescribable the immense joy this job brings us and how thankful we are for you to get through another year of this show with you guys alongside of us. You know, not not every day is our best day. Sometimes we have better shows than others, but you're still here. You know, Richard can be off on every Friday of the year, and you're still here. Hey, Dad can take a week off, and you're still here. I can take a week off, and you're still here. It doesn't matter. You guys are, are here always, and we are so thankful for you. Your loyalty is not conditional and uh, can't describe to you enough how much it means to us, and we're really looking forward uh, to bringing in the new year in 2024 being the best year yet. I mean, the sports teams are, are exciting and looking good, football and basketball and all that, but uh, just getting to talk to you guys every day uh, is enough, regardless of what happens on the field or on the court. So thank you, and Happy New Year from all of us here at, uh, at Super Talk. We'll get to a few more of your messages before we send you on your way. Thomas, those, uh, those pork butts look outstanding. Uh, congrats on being better at making those than me. We got this message, took Ole Miss in the money line, plus 165 at the Pearl River Resort. Thank you. The Pearl River Resort thanks you as well. If you guys want to put uh, some action on games, the sportsbook at the Timeout Lounge at the Pearl River Resort is the place to do it. Looking forward to getting back there uh, one day very soon. Before you know it, it's going to be March Madness, and so I know we will be there for that. Tim says going Ole Miss 37, Penn State 30. I think my final score prediction was 27-24 in favor of uh, um, in favor of Ole Miss. So, uh, anyway. Dave says, uh, y'all just want to say thank you for showing up each day. Love Super Talk, and I hope you and your family have a great new year. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Dave. Uh, appreciate you. Debbie, yeah, you're just too much. She says, every show is a great show. We love you guys. So, uh, thank you guys uh, for that. So, uh, New Year's resolutions, you got any? Uh, me, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a very informal New Year's resolution uh, type person, so uh, nothing uh, set in stone. I'll uh, as each day progresses, I will uh, make a new one. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't have the patience to stick to all that. I'm much more of a uh, go with the wind blows type, you know. So uh, nothing, nothing anchored down, buddy. What about I, you? I've never done one because I know it just. I mean. Why, why are you waiting until January to try to improve things? But I, I've got a, I've got a friend who uh, is one of those people that wants you to know that he spends a couple hours a day at the gym every day. I mean, he really wants you to know that. Oh man, when I was at the gym last night, and when I was at the gym, or I met this guy at the gym. Hey, did you know I go to the gym? He's one of those guys. Uh, he has let me know multiple times already that he's really not looking forward to the gym being crowded by people starting New Year's resolutions, and he's looking forward to two weeks from now when they all stop their resolutions because he goes to the gym. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's told me that uh, yet. but <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> it's coming, huh? Oh, man. I did get a uh, – my brother-in-law brought a bike by. He, he, we were talking about it the other day. He goes, man, I don't want this bike anymore. I said, how much have you ridden it? He goes, I haven't ridden it at all. And he's had it for a couple of years. I said, hey, I, you know, I like riding a bike. Yeah. And I get a present today. He's sitting out there. He took a picture because I delivered the bike. Nice. So, yeah, I, I guess a resolution will be to ride around on the bike. I'm more of a jog type person, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll hit the bike up. Uh, oh. So that might be a resolution there to just get on the bike a bit. Yeah, low impact exercise mm-hmm. too, man. Protects your knees a little bit. 
I, I pretend like I'm old. I'm not. I'm 31, but I've got knee and back problems. I heard you grimacing up here a minute yeah, ago. Yeah, I, I threw out my back earlier. Uh, that I, I threw out my back earlier, picking up a little uh, Nerf basketball. I mean, I just I bent down to pick it and uh, so. Better get some yoga now. going because that young one's going to want to play. No doubt. He's going to want to dominate you. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you have a safe weekend. Be safe. Please be smart when you're celebrating the New Year. Please, please, please be smart. If you're going to drink and have fun, get home with an Uber. Get home with a sober driver. Don't get behind the wheel yourself. Please be safe because we want to see you. On Tuesday, recapping the Peach Bowl and the college football playoff. For Richard and Haydad and Lance and all of us here at Super Talk, Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you. Oh, here we go. I'm going to be super lame to end the year. We'll see you next year. Y'all have a good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.